our greatest weapon. If prayer works, why do people leave it as a last resort? Many people, they just leave it towards the end because they simply don't believe in prayer or because they're just lazy or don't even know how to pray. But no matter what the reason might be, prayer is very important. It is our greatest weapon. And Jesus teaches us the model prayer to follow. This is found in the book of Matthew in the Bible. But before we go to the verses, I want you to keep in mind something powerful. The disciples have seen many things. They have seen the sick being healed, the blind seeing, the lame walking, the dead being risen up. Out of everything, they didn't ask Jesus to teach them to do miracles. They didn't ask Jesus to teach him how to speak well, how to understand the word of God. The Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 11 verse 1, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord Teach us to pray. Prayer was a part of Jesus' lifestyle. Everywhere he went, Jesus was praying. Every single moment that he got, he prayed. He went to he went by himself to the mountain wherever he could to spend time alone with God, to be one-on-one. -on -one. Prayer is very important in a life of a Christian, of a follower of Christ, in the life of a believer. Prayer has stopped many attacks from coming into your life. I am evidence of that. My pastors are prayer warriors. And because of their prayers, of their constant prayers towards my life, I am still here today. They have saved me from many attacks that the enemy has launched out against me. And the disciples understood that prayer is very important. They understood the power of prayer. They understood that through prayer, Jesus was able to do the things that he was doing. Because prayer is the key. It is communication with God. In simplest form, prayer is talking to God. How can you have a relationship with someone if you don't speak to them? You can't. The same here. You cannot call yourself a Christian. Well, you can, but you won't truly be one. Because you don't even have a relationship with the king. Now, maybe you don't want to do the things that Jesus did. Okay? Maybe you don't want to cause miracles. Okay. Maybe you don't even want to walk on water. Okay. Although you don't want to do all of that, you still need to pray in order to be saved. Many people who don't even know God, the first thing that they ask from you, when they find out that you go to church, when they find out that you are a Christian, when you find out that you believe in God, the very first thing that they ask you is that they want prayer. No matter who it is, you're going to find people who want prayer. Because they understand that prayer causes things. When things are going bad, what's the first thing that they ask? They say, please, send us your prayers. Because they understand that they need prayer. But why don't people pray more often? Do you know how to pray? Well, today we're going to learn that, but let's break down the five points into making a prayer that's found in the model that Jesus left us. The Bible says in Matthew 6, verse 9, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father. The prayer starts by addressing God as our Father in heaven, that His name is above all other names, that we are His children. In other words, the very first part into a prayer is recognizing your Creator. Do you recognize God? Do you give Him thanks in the morning when you wake up? Because He gives you the strength to be able to breathe, to open up your eyes. 
Do you thank God because your heart is still beating? Do you thank God because you're able to walk? Because you're able to speak? Because you're healthy? Do you thank God? I love using an example that illustrates us recognizing God. And it's this. Many people take credit when everything goes good, but when things go bad, they blame others. The easiest way that we can possibly understand this example is by looking at when we were at school and had to do a school project, right? In that school project, there would be those types of people in that group that would take the credit for everything that you did. Oh man, how we dislike them. You put in all your heart and soul into that project to get the best grade that you can possibly can. And here comes someone and takes all the credit from you. Or what about that person that does nothing, right? You, you put in all your work into your heart and your soul into it. But then everything goes completely wrong and you get a failing grade. And those people blame everyone else. How many times have you taken credit for something that God has done in, in your life? And how many times have you blamed God for something that you did? That's how many of us are during these times. And this is the very first part to recognizing God, which is giving Him credit where credit is due. It's giving Him the glory and the honor. You see, we are useless. We are basically worms. Worms. We can't do anything without God, without His Spirit. It is because of Him that we're able to breathe, because we're able to walk. And many people can say, it's like, no, it's because of my body. But who gave you that body? Who formed you in your mother's womb? Who is still forming you now and who's still taking care of you? We have to thank God for everything, even in the bad times. Because everything that we have good, it's because God gave it to us. And during those bad moments, instead of shifting the blame to God, let's take responsibility. Oh, but I didn't do anything. Take responsibility. Because if you spend your entire time blaming everyone else but yourself, you're not going to go anywhere. Nothing's going to change. You're going to stay where you're at. You take responsibility. This shows that you know God. Not know about Him, but you know Him. And you're able to move and you're able to operate and you're able to cause a change. You see, you, this is the first part and you can already see how prayer is already working. And this is, this is the beginning of a prayer. God is our creator, our deliverer, our provider, all-knowing, our heavenly father, our Lord, our friend, and he has so much more. Now, the part where it says in heaven is stating that his name is above all else. When God is above all things, he is number one in our life. Then God can work in our life if God is number one and if God is above all else. This means above all our understanding, above all, above all means all. Now, how does it look like when God is not number one? As an example would be that you are not in agreement with God. You're not in agreement with his word because you are taking his rightful place as being number one in your life. You're saying, you know what, God, I think you might be wrong. So I'm going to step into this number one place and I'm going to take control of the boat. I'm going, to take, I'm going to pilot this aircraft because, Lord, you don't know what you're talking about. I don't understand you, and it doesn't work like this in my world. Well, we have to understand this simple thing. God and heaven are above our world. He is above all. L- literally, He's above all. His ways are above all. We might not understand it, but that's why the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We have to trust Him in everything, even in the most simplest thing and even in the most complex things. Now, God being number one in our life by an action, to be able to show truly by actioning out. Some examples of this would be when you come to church and you're tired, when you don't want to read the Bible because you've been working all day. 
right? You still focus and you pursue. You are so determined and you push through that. And you say, Lord, even though I am so tired, Lord, even though I can barely keep my eyes open, I am going to give it my all in this time in worshiping you. Think about this, right? I think we've all been in a position where we are at home and we come, our parents come home, right? And they had a, such a bad day. And as soon as our parents walk in, they start to yell at us because of their bad day. And we're sitting there like, well, what did I do? I didn't do anything. And this is the first time that I'm seeing you. Why are you so mad? And it ruins our day. How do you think God feels when you come to church and worship him? But you're all mad, you're all bitter. You're like, God, this you you didn't take care of me, you didn't do anything. Why am I gonna worship you, God? I am I am having such a bad day. And God's there like you didn't even start your day with me. This is the first time that I'm seeing you, and you're upset. That's not fair, and that's not us putting God as number one. And people can argue and say, Oh, but but I work such a tiring job. Okay. We're not denying that you're not tired. But how much do you love God? You see, God's not going to place anything in your life that you're not will, that you cannot handle. Meaning that if you have that job, right, that tires you out, and now it's like time to come to church and to worship Him, you have the ability because you're in that position to be able to go all out and worship, in praise, and not fall asleep during the service. And for the youth, right, it can be as you know, Lord, I have so much homework, but I'm going to put my homework on pause and I'm going to give you everything. But you have finals, but you have tests. I don't care. My God is number one. And if I put God number one, I know that I'm going to do okay in my homework. I know that I'm going to pass my finals. Now, it also goes into like, Lord, I don't feel like helping in the church. I don't feel like cleaning. I don't feel like picking up the tables. I just want to get up. I want to go home. But when you put God number one and you truly know Him, not about Him, that love comes out, that love of God. And you say, you know what, Lord? I'm tired. I'm worn. I want to go home. But I'm going to do this because I love you, because I know you. Because this is what you did for me. This is recognizing our Creator. This is us putting God as number one. Now you can start to see in the very beginning, the point number one of how Jesus teaches us how to pray, the change in our life, how drastically our life starts to change when we go step by step. So now, remember this. God is our Father. And listen to this powerful revelation that the Bible tells us. In the book of Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 through 11, it says, You parents... If your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask of Him? Our Father is just that He is our Heavenly Father. So we can come to our dad and ask him anything. Matthew 7, 7 says that, to come and ask, to knock and the door will be open, to seek and you will find. We come to our father. Now we, we don't come, guys, we have to understand that we don't come, uh, we don't pray with this like, um, we're not so uh, uh, fearful, right? We're not full of fear to come to our to God. and We don't like look at the God and like, oh no, I can't look at God because, because he, he's king, right? We have to come with that assurance, with that confidence, with that trust, with that knowing. It's like the exact same way that you can come to your father or your mother. You come and you, you hug him, you love him, and you're able to ask of him. This is the exact same way that God wants us to come to him. And this is point number one, which is recognizing our creator. This all has to do with recognizing him. Now, praying is simply asking your dad. It's talking to your heavenly father. And just like Jesus says, if, if our parents can give us whatever we ask, how much more will our heavenly father give us when we ask? 
when we love Him, when we recognize Him, when we put Him as number one. So point number two in the model prayer of how Jesus teaches us to pray. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 10, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer then moves on to, to say God's kingdom will reign on earth, replacing all human rules and government. He's on top of all our He's on top of all of our impossibilities, our situations. He is Lord. Nothing can stop him, and nothing is difficult for him. Right? And I'll give you an example, right? When we are facing um, something that's impossible for us, humanly speaking, impossible, the world is. I'm, I'm standing on a table right now. It's standing next to a table. I'm going to put my hand right here on this table that you can hear. And now if I raise up my hand above this, right? That hand that's touching the table, that's our earthly realm, right? This is where we are at. This is our government, our rules, our laws, the laws, uh, everything, right? Laws and rules of everything, right? Physics, uh, of gravity, of whatever you want to call it, of our, um, of our body, right? My hand that is above this table... That is God's kingdom, His reign, His government, His rules, everything to do with Him, right? So when we say in this part, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are saying, Lord, this that is Your realm, Your kingdom, Your rules, Your government that is above all things, the possibilities, Lord, the miracles, the healings, the wonders, the amazement, Your Holy Spirit, Your glory, all that is there, Father, we want that to come down here. In other words, how we can understand this is, Lord, you know, I tried it my way. Let's try it your way now. But imagine how much drastic, how drastically your life will change. If before you say, I'm going to try it my way, you say, Lord, let's try it your way. Imagine, just can you even begin to imagine that? It's this part, the second part is saying, God, we are giving you control and we are asking for your kingdom, your culture, your ways. The way that you think, the way that you operate. We are asking for everything that is of you, Lord, to come down here to earth, to come down here to us, in my situation, in my problem, my family, my generation, my country, my nation, my world, Lord, to come down here. It's acknowledging that the laws and the rules and the governments of this world will not help my situation. You see, technology cannot solve your problems. Science cannot solve all of your problems, but God can. This is why we need to pray. This is only the second part. We already established recognizing God and how drastically our life will change just by doing that. The second part in of a prayer is asking God's ways, His ways of doing things, His way of thinking, all of His, His kingdom to come down to earth into our situation, into our problem, right? Now that it's His ways, now we're able to get moving, right? The Bible says, for point number three, the Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 11 through 12, it says, Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. Then we turn to our own needs. This is point number three. This is where we are able to bring our petition, right? The reason why you are praying for is like, Lord, I need this. I need your help in this. We already recognized him as creator, established him as number one in our life. He's our heavenly father. We asked him for his ways. We're not going to stand in your ways, Lord. We want your ways. We want your ways of doing this, right? It's not going to be our way. We're not, we're not going to put in our two cents, Lord. We want your ways. We're going to do it your way, Father. We surrendered already. Now we are asking Him, this is what we need help in, Lord. This is where I need help in my family, in my, my home, in my generation. This is where I need help in, Lord. 
And this is also the part where we are asking God to forgive us of our sins, even things that we don't even know of. You see, I recently had an encounter with God, the love of God that completely invaded me. And I had so many things that were in my heart that I didn't even know of. I had so much pain. I felt uh, empty. I, I, I had even grief from uh, years ago from when my grandmother died. I had so much things that I had built up in me that I couldn't release until that moment where I was able to be set free. I was so broken, so devastated, and God was able to heal me. Keep in mind that, yes, I was still moving and operating. I was still reading the Bible, praying, going to church, worshiping God, doing everything that I did. But I had all this thing on me, dragging me down. And God set me free from all that. And God can set you free from that. But this point right here, in in point number three, it's saying, Lord, forgive us of our sins. Right? How he says, forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who, who uh, as we forgive our debtors. And other, in simplest form, right? Okay? You can see this part as this. In order for God to forgive you, you must be willing to forgive. When we don't forgive people, we are saying, God, we are greater than you. And we're going back to point number one. And he is not in that number one place anymore. Because now we've gone into that number one. If Jesus forgave, we have to forgive. If you don't forgive with your actions, you're saying, Lord... It's not your ways anymore. It's my way. Okay. So now that we, we said, recognize your creator, his way is being done, right? Now we're able to, okay, we, we asked him for forgiveness of our sins, right? So we're healed. We're good. We are on good terms with God. You can say you're holy because you've been cleaned and set apart as righteous as a holy vessel for the usage of God. Then you ask him for the, the, what you need for help. Point number four, the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here we are asking God for God's protection and guidance as we journey through our life, as we pursue on this quest, as we're, we're going through in our daily life. I want you to keep this in mind. God does not tempt us. Temptation comes from what is in our hearts, right? That temptation that is in your heart, that's what you are going to attract. Now, if you're being tempted by something and you feel like you're about to break, keep in mind that that temptation is coming in from your heart. So from the very beginning, if we ask God to heal our heart, to remove all this temptation from us, then we will be healed. Then we wouldn't have temptation come towards us. But keeping this in mind now, that God does not tempt you, okay? We are asking God for protection and for guidance, we are asking for the Holy Spirit to lead our step. We are asking for this inspiration. Okay? And point number five, the Bible continues to say in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 13, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Finally, we come back to God and acknowledge His supreme and, pos- and His position as Almighty, coming back to recognizing God. So in a nutshell, the model prayer that Jesus, Jesus teaches us how to pray is this. Point number one, recognize your creator. Point number two is his will being done. Point number three is asking for forgiveness. And this is where we have our petition. Point number four is asking for guidance and protection. Point number five comes back in a full circle into recognizing your creator. This is the model prayer that Jesus gives us. In simplest form, prayer is talking to God. So how often do you talk to God? And how would you like to know God now? Now that you know how to pray, let's talk to God each and every single day. Let's finish this off with prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you the glory and we give you the honor for everything that you have done, God. Thank you, Father, for that healing, that restoration that you did in my life. Thank you, Father, that I am here standing today. And thank you, Father, for all the ones that are listening right now that you have healed and that you have restored as well. 
Father, we ask of you to just invade us with your glory, your kingdom, and your ways, Father. We don't want to try our ways because we know that we are going to mess up, that we will fail, Father. God, forgive us. Even bring into light, Father, that things that are in our hearts that are, that are not according to your, to your will, Father. That, that we are in disagreement with you, Father. Let us remove from, uh, help us remove that that is in our heart, Father, so we don't have any wickedness, any, any dirt on us, Father, so we can be holy vessels set apart for your usage, Lord. Father, all I ask, Father, is to help us to know you more. Not know about you, Lord, but to know you personally. Guide me, protect me as I go through my life, Father, as I go through the, this day, as I go through the rest of my life in my quest into pursuing after you, God. Lord, you are above all, and there is no one above you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's how you follow the model prayer. Jesus also goes on to say that praying, just because you repeat a prayer doesn't mean that Jesus is going to answer. You have to follow the example that Jesus left you. Alright, that's our greatest weapon. This is how we build our relationship with God. It's going to get... Amazing, and it's it's about to get good, 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 good. <laughs> All right, see you later.